global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all surging at or near the best level of the day. And we're brought to you by National Realty, providers of 100% satisfaction guaranteed New York City Realty Investments. See them at NRIA.net. Now, let's head right over to the first word breaking news desk for today's afternoon call. Here she is, Sasha Damuni. Good afternoon, Charlie. As you mentioned, the main U.S. averages are holding strong in the green heading into the weekend. Small cap 600 up 1.5 percent. U.S. 10-year yield up at 5.3 percent. Eight out of 10 S&P sectors are higher, led by financials. Utilities led to the downside down 1.3 percent. Dow transports rise 143 points. NASDAQ Biotech's little changed, and the VIX is down by 8.9 percent. Dow leaders to the upside include Merck, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Goldman Sachs. Losers include Verizon Communications, Procter & Gamble, and Coca-Cola. Bristol-Myers Squibb plunged as much as 18% today, most since 2002 after non-small cell lung cancer trial of Opdivo didn't meet endpoint. EOG resources up as much as 7.8% after the company said it plans to boost drilling without spending more. Live from the first word-breaking news desk, I'm Sasha Damuni. Charlie? All righty. Thank you very much, Sasha Damuni. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg-type squawk, SQUAWK on your terminal. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. The shares of Marcus and Millichap, they are higher today by more than 5% after reporting quarterly results that exceeded analyst estimates. Here to tell us more is the president and the chief executive of Marcus and Millichap, Hassam Naji. Hassam, thank you very much for being with us. Sam, thanks for having me on the program. All right. Let's begin by taking a look at the $33 billion real estate financing company that is Marcus and Millichap. Tell us a little bit about the business in the last quarter. We'll get to the next quarter in a second because I know you've got some cautionary thoughts about that. Sure. Just to give uh, some context, uh, Pam, the commercial real estate uh, investment marketplace uh, really is dominated by private investors. 83% of all commercial property sales in the United States in the last year have uh, have been in the $1 to $10 million, really the micro-cap segment that are dominated by high net worth individuals, small partnerships, and then local investors. Our company specializes in brokering these assets, and we're the largest uh, firm in the, in the United States with about uh, 80 offices and 1,600 specialists who focus only on this uh, specialized niche. Uh, and we have some larger clients, institutional clients that do the larger transactions, and they make up the other 17% of the, of the business. So for us, investor sentiment and the longer-term uh, tendencies for private investors to have personal drivers like death, divorce, partnership breakups, and other financial aspects of their lives uh, becomes a more important ingredient than, than just uh, the economic trends or uh, quarterly swings. Uh, so the what, where the market has been over the past few years has been in a very rapid recovery post the uh, financial crisis, of course. Uh, commercial real estate yields, which are in the 5 to 7% range, are still attracting a lot of capital to the sector. And uh, this time around, unlike other cycles, commercial real estate is not being overbuilt. Uh, the, uh, the 
discipline we've seen in the marketplace, both imposed by lenders and by developers uh, compared to other cycles, has really kept the market very, very healthy. Now, having said that, the market is in a transition from this rapid growth that I just talked about over the last five years in sales velocity and uh, dramatic Im- improvement in vacancies, dramatic improvement in rents, a- into a more uh, a slow growth environment just because, number one, the pricing has gone up quite a bit. Number two, there's been a lot of uh, psychological effects in this year so far, in the first half of this year, that have created some caution among investors. So sales so far this year in the marketplace have been relatively flat compared to uh, the rapid growth that I talked about over the past few years. And for us, our firm is really focused on market share increases and market coverage and growing by headcount and productivity. And that's why we were able to exceed uh, the market's performance by showing a 9% revenue gain over the first half of 2015 and a, about a 4% earnings gain. And that's that's sort of the perspective on where we are and where the market is. Well, but just looking at year-to-date highlights for the company, sales volume right now up about 16%, transaction closings uh, higher by 6%. Correct. Yeah. Um, right. Uh- so I was just going to say revenue by transaction uh, size as well. You've got a, a nice sweet spot, uh, sweet spot of the of the market. Exactly. We're so well aligned with that 83% of sales that was in the one to ten million dollar range, uh, and uh, we are the dominant brand with a lot of room to grow in that segment. And that's what's really encouraging for us in terms of our long term plan. Looking in the short term, there is a lot of caution in the marketplace. Uh, lenders are being very careful. Uh, and therefore, transactions are taking longer to market, longer to close. And even though that affects the short-term sales velocity and slows everything down, over the long term, we think that's constructive because it's eliminating or, let's say, at least reducing the risk of overbuilding. And it's reducing the risk of overleveraging, which are really the two ingredients that typically disrupt good expansion cycle for commercial real estate. Well, I note that, for example, occupancies have been rising as well as construction trends. They remain favorable for multifamily retail office as well as industrial. Exactly. Tell us a little bit about commercial real estate yields. Are they still compelling? Well, Pam, that's the, that's the bottom line. Is that in this low interest rate, low yield environment, when you look around alternative investments and, and where investors can look for some reliable yield, commercial real estate, depending on the quality and depending on the market, of course, uh, it's a broad statement, but it, the averages uh, show a 5 to 7% yield uh, going in yield on the asset class. Now, if your uh, appetite for risk is higher and you can invest in, let's say, a hotel property or a shopping center that can be turned around with retenanting and some work that you can do to add value to it, those yields can be much higher than this 5 to 7% general range. If your appetite for risk is not so strong and you'd rather have more of, an, of a lower risk income yield, uh, there is plenty of assets, particularly apartments and markets, where the yields are in the 3 to 4% range, but there's hardly any product being built, so there is uh, very little oversupply risk. We gotta, we gotta leave it there. I'm sorry, Hassam Naji. He is the president, the chief executive of Marcus and Millichap. The shares are higher by more than 5%. This is Bloomberg. Coming up on Taking Stock, we're gonna take stock of the campaign for president. More on Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump as he unveils his economic team. That's next. <laughs> 